Hey guys, happy 2019. Welcome back to Self Obsessed. This week I have a very special guest, my good friend and longtime creative collaborator, Todd Berger. You probably know Todd as the writer, director, and actor in such movies as It's a Disaster, The Scenesters, most recently the cover versions. Um, I'm in the first two of those films, helped produce those first two as well. The cover versions is really great. Just came out uh, middle of last year. Check that out. Also, my good friend Jerry Trainer is in that, and my friend Kevin Brennan helped produce it. But this week we are talking about ADHD, ADD, Ritalin, and Adderall. What we find out today on the podcast is that despite being one of the most reliable and productive people I know, Todd is actually ADD as well. And it was something that we didn't know about each other until kind of recently. And we kind of talk about it on the podcast. We go through an ADD survey. And I was really surprised to know that Todd, despite all of his outward high-powered capability, we often call him Robo-Todd because we think there's a robot double of him that runs around and does half his work, which is the only plausible explanation of how he gets so much done. Um, but Todd actually has battled with ADD for a long time. He didn't know it until late in life, and he wasn't diagnosed with it as a kid or anything like that. So we kind of talk about you know ADD and then the uh, often prescribed methamphetamines in the form of Ritalin and Adderall that help overcome it. I haven't used uh, Adderall in a long time. Todd uses Ritalin on occasion. So we just talk about the ups and downs. I've had some trouble with uh, those stimulants, um, some scary experiences that I think you guys should listen to. If you are ever dabbling in the idea, if you're ADHD and you're thinking about using these kind of stimulants, I'd highly advise to try everything else first because there's a lot of downsides. But um, for both Todd and I, there was periods in our lives where it was pretty effective. And so definitely an area, a controversial area of the self-help community. But let's just jump right into it. Uh, before we do, please continue to uh, make comments on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, rate, review. That helps so much. I think we have a perfect five stars right now, guys. And that's the best, that's the best grade I've ever had in my life, to be honest. Keep it up. I really appreciate it. With no further ado, Todd Berger. Hello and welcome to Self Obsessed. This is Jeff Grace, comedian, filmmaker, and self-help obsessive. This week I have on the podcast my OG podcasting partner, Todd Berger. Todd, how are you doing? I'm good, Jeff. I'm excited to talk about the Clippers playoff chances tonight. <laughs> Uh, you know, I think Tobias Harris is really making some strides. Yeah, I think I think this week we'll explore how the Clippers uh, can improve your self-help regiment. Um, Todd and I used to run the first, at the time only, Clippers yeah. podcast, The Loaded Clip. Yeah, it started as a comedy podcast as to, this was back in 2010, 2011. Early days of podcasting. To, to be a comedy podcast about what it's like to be a fan of the Los Angeles Clippers, the little brother <laughs> basketball team in Los Angeles that we would have to go to a bar and say, hey, could you put the Clippers game on? And the bartender would say, what? The what is that? Still a problem, by the way. Yeah. But th then it was way worse. Uh, and it was so it was really more of a comedy podcast about what it was like to be a Clippers fan in a town where most people didn't even know the Clippers existed. Right. But then they got good. And then now there's other podcasts. And then we just kind of stopped doing it. Well, we, got, we had other things to do. Yeah, we had other And there was other Clippers podcasts. We actually said that the reason we wanted to do it because there was no other Clippers podcast yeah. out there, and then others came. Yeah. 
So yeah, we had the Clippers podcast, and then we both took a hiatus. Yes. Many other Clippers podcasts filled the void. Mm-hmm. But I think, generally speaking, Clipter, the Clipper fan base felt a, a, still feels a void to this day. Oh, yeah. Part of the load it was that we, on our first podcast, too, we were going to have beverages while doing the podcast. Yes, it was called The Loaded Clip, because we would be loaded while doing it. And we quickly found that it was not fun to listen to ourselves under the influence of a couple beers uh, from an audio perspective. And also the clinking of the glasses and the <laughs> ice, like the ice sound was actually like kind of unpleasant to... I have a water here, but... That, that, that was a like, common sound on the loaded, loaded clip. But it was fun. It was a good time. And then we discovered you could do it over Skype and it just changed everything. Yeah, that's right. And then we never hung out with each other anymore. But I would still drink by myself while doing the podcast, whether you were <laughs> doing... I don't know if you were drinking, but I was... Well, that's good. We're talking about this week. <laughs> the topic of uh, conversation is Ritalin, Adderall, and what we think is the prevalent use amongst writers. Attention deficit disorder or uh, ADHD, which is attention deficit hyperactive disorder. Right. Which is, they when I was growing up, they just called it ADD. Right, yes. But they felt the need to now put the ADHD in there. Yes. And are you diagnosed as ADD? So... First of all, let me just say that I am not a doctor. I'm not a trained professional. Anything we talk about today, take with a grain of salt. Uh, so I, you know, I when I was a kid, I, I was never like a problem child in school. I never, you know, I didn't really pay a lot of attention in class. But I, I was, you know, a B student, B plus student. I did fine. I was always on the honor roll. But I wasn't hyperactive by any means, and I never got in trouble, and I never had to go see the school psychologist for being problematic. But I definitely... That makes one of us. I, I definitely <laughs> never paid attention, like, in class. Like, I was always... My mind was always wandering. I was always writing stories or working on something else. I used to... Um, did you ever play with G.I. Joes? Yeah. So on the back of a G.I. Joe was always the picture of all the other G.I. Joes. Oh, yeah. So I used to cut all the little pictures out... So I had these little cardboard pictures of G.I. Joe's and I would bring them to school and I would like play with them at my desk. Um, just the pictures just of the, the G.I. Joe's? of the G.I. Joe's. Uh, and I think at one point my teacher thought like my parents couldn't afford actual toys for me or something. So I was playing with the pictures. But I just actually needed these compact uh, G.I. Joe's to bring to school and play with. So Portable Joe's. Portable Joe's. And then I got a like... When I was in, <laughs> when I was in like fifth or sixth grade, um, my my dad taught me how to play blackjack when I was really young, and I got really into blackjack. It's going somewhere dark, <laughs> so, I feel like. So I got a, a watch. I, I got a watch that you could play blackjack on. What? Uh, yeah, it was like it would deal hands, and you could play blackjack on your. Was it watch. like a black and white? It was like crystal? a Casio watch, but it would be like you have a nine and a seven. Do you want to hit or stay? And the dealer has a whatever. And then I also had a Tetris watch. It just looked like a watch because I went to like a Catholic school where you couldn't bring in anything cool. Right. Um, but no one knew that I was playing Tetris and blackjack on my watch. Like I used to play it in church, which I always thought was kind of baller. Yeah. Um, blackjacking <laughs> in, in mass. But anyway. Uh, so we, we both grew up in the Catholic faith. Yes. So then I went to, you know, so, but I was always a fine student, but I always just figured out how to do well in school because I would just read the book. Like I never paid attention in class and really took notes. But I was always really good at borrowing another kid's notes and just photocopying them mm-hmm. or just reading the book. Like, I would just read the entire book. Um, 
and same when I got to college. Like in college, I never paid attention in class and never really took notes, but I would always make friends with someone and then just photocopy their notes. Sometimes I would just pay them to photocopy their notes. And actually I went to the University of Texas where they, I don't know if they do it anymore. I don't know if your school did this, but was there was basically, they had like plants in a lot of the bigger classes that would just take notes and then sell them to a professional note-taking service. And then you would go and you would purchase someone else's notes. Like you Interesting. They were a mystery note-taker who was paid by this company to go to like Psych 101 and sit in the front row and take really good notes. And at the end of the semester, or right before a, a, an exam, you could go and you could buy that person's notes. And you're like, great. Uh, and then I would read the book and... And, uh, but anyway. Um, but this isn't, I don't know if this is just means you're bored because you're unstimulated or were you genuinely attention deficit? Well, in, I don't know. Like, how does one even define attention deficit disorder, right? Um, so I don't think I was, um, had ADD. I don't, you know, by a clinical definition, I was never diagnosed it. I never even felt that I needed to look into being diagnosed that. Um, I then, you know, and when it came to like creative projects, like for my film classes or an English class or whatever, I was always motivated, laser focused, motivated to do it. Um, but then I got, you know, I graduated, I, I moved to Hollywood. I I got a job as a writer and suddenly it was like my job was to write and be creative and do creative things. And you know, I would have an assignment. I was supposed to be doing an outline or writing a script. Um, a writer. If I didn't introduce myself, I'm Todd Berger. I'm a writer. Yeah, you're, Todd is a writer. We introduced your least important yeah. credential. Yeah. Uh, just for, it'll be in the show notes, yeah, Todd. Okay. But Todd is a writer-director. I'm a writer-director. Of films that we've worked on together, such as It's a Disaster. Yes. But my and my day job for 17 years now, since 2002, has been a writer. Like, I make my living as a screenwriter, doing book adaptations, you know, writing animation, writing all sorts of things. So my job is to write. Wasn't one of your first movies that you got made a Tom Arnold Christmas movie? It was. Movie? It was a, a spec script I wrote called um, Chasing Christmas. It was an ABC Family movie starring Tom Arnold. I got to go to Vancouver, hang out with Tom Arnold, your friend, Tom Arnold. I, I guess, I don't know if he would know that I'm his friend, but we I was on his podcast and I, I was going to have him on the podcast at some point too to talk about um, benzo, benzos. Oh, yeah. Because um, there's been a lot of linkage to what is benzos uh short for benzohydro i mean i wouldn't even know the drug i don't know, I don't know. but ativan is the most okay. co- commonly known benzo and he thinks it's the cause of chris cornell's death and oh a really of, a lot of suicides it's a very super hyper addictive drug he i think t- on the podcast i was on with him and i think he released this so but he had trouble breaking in an addiction from it um but he actually comes up today in our topic because there's a lot of thought that as we talk about ritalin adhd donald trump is oh, yes. recently in Snifflegate, his recent, uh, <laughs> uh, his public address about the wall, he was sniffling a lot, which a lot of people said harkened back to the debate with Hillary where he was sniffling a lot. And a comedian who was, a, uh, uh, I guess, uh, he wasn't an apprentice, he was, worked on The Apprentice. I don't know in what capacity, but he said it was very common to see Donald Trump snorting lines of Adderall so that he could concentrate on his cue cards. Wow. And he's such an ad lib, speak, his speaking style is very ad lib. If you ever watch him in a speech, there's, his cue card, you know, the you know that kind of um, what do you call that? The teleprompter. Teleprompter. But he often doesn't stay to it at all. You can tell he's just ad libbing, yeah. and even ad libbed in the speech. But long story short, there's a controversy about whether or not Donald Trump is on Adderall, right? Which, uh, as we have a cop car go by, it's the sound of justice maybe coming our way. 
Hmm? Do we wait? No, we don't wait for we don't wait for the police. (laughs) They're trying to stop this podcast, but we will not. Um, So, long story short, um, that's you and I got talking about Adderall and Ritalin. But anyway, let's let's go back to your ADHD. Yeah. So I moved out here, and you know, I suddenly had a job as a writer, and it was my job to write. And I had an I had a a a two bedroom apartment, and one room was my office, and I would wake up every morning, and I often just started to feel like. I don't feel like writing right now. Like, because there's this thing called the internet and it's like really easy to goof off mm-hmm. on it. And I can just Google pages and like watch videos. And and I would wake up every morning and be like, and because, you know, when you don't have an office to go to and you're a freelance and you work at home, you have to make your own schedule. You have to force yourself to work. There's no one, there's no one going to tell you to hand in pages. You're right. basically like, you have this huge amount of rope to hang yourself with. Yes. So I would wake up every day and be like, okay, I'm going to start writing by 10 a.m. Okay, and, and then, like, by 10.30, be like, okay, 11 a.m., I'm going to start writing. No, okay, noon, noon. You know what? By 3 o'clock, I need to start actually working on this thing. And this went on for years, and I would... And I did the job done, and I would make a living, and but it was always, like... But would you be, like, cramming throughout the night? Yeah, yeah. I would always, like, leave stuff, and just because I couldn't, like, motivate myself uh, to stay interested in, like, working on... Because I would start writing a couple pages, and then... You know, I'd, I'd be writing a script about, like, the Sphinx or something, and then I'd be like, the Sphinx! And then I'd just go online and start reading about the right. Sphinx for, like, an hour and just, like, g- completely forget what I was doing. So, anyway. So, then about 10 years ago now, uh, 2008, 2009, I was listening to a podcast. Um, it was, like, a Slate podcast or some podcast, and they were talking about this article that this woman wrote for, like, the New York Times and the New Yorker, New York Magazine. It was one of those three about how... She was a journalist, like she was a, a reporter, and she was describing the same thing where she would just like, she loved what she did, but she'd oftentimes weirdly find herself not motivated to like actually do the work. And her son, who was in college, had an Adderall prescription. And she noticed that when he would take his Adderall, he was just like laser focused on writing papers. Right. And so she went to her doctor and said, hey, um, would you prescribe me Adderall? Uh, I want to try it out, like for this for this report for the New York Times or whatever she was reporting for, and he was like, "Yeah, sure." So she took it and she was like, "It's amazing! It's wonderful! Like it made me laser focused on what I was doing." So I was like, "Huh?" So I found the article and I printed it up, and I took it to my doctor, and I said to my doctor, "I was like, hey, is this our old shared doctor? We won't yeah. mention him by yeah, 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 but... uh huh, and um, and Los Feliz, mm-hmm. um." And uh, so I went to the doctor and I had this article printed up and I was like, what this woman describes in this article is exactly how I feel. I'm a professional writer and I oftentimes like am not motivated and I just can't get my shit together. And um, I'd be interested in trying this. Like, and so he asked me a bunch of questions and like we went through a whole thing and, you know, the whole article was about Adderall. And he's like, well, have you ever done Adderall? And I was like, no, I've never taken Adderall. I've never taken anything at all. Like in college, like I knew people who were on it. I knew people who did it recreationally, but like right. I never touched it. And he's like, well, Adderall's pretty, pretty intense. It can be more intense. Have you ever tried Ritalin? And I was like, no, I don't know. I remember a Simpsons episode, I think that was about Ritalin mm-hmm. um, for children. And, uh, but no. So he's like, well, that's kind of like the softball version. So why don't I write you a prescription for that? And we'll see how it goes. So he wrote me a prescription and and at the time, he was like, T- you take two a day or whatever. And so I started taking it. And like, sure enough, it was great. Like, it was great. Like, I would wake up and I would take one. And suddenly, 
the way I describe it to people was whatever you were doing, it made you only want to do that and like keep doing that until you were finished it. Like it made you like more invested in focusing right. uh, in, on the thing that you were doing. And so I would start writing a script and it like made me really into writing that or I would start researching something and it would make me really into that. And I just lost this desire to like want to go goof off and go do something else because like mentally I was more focused on what I was doing. And um, so when he first described it to me, it was like take two a day. But but also, you know, and if you're if this sounds interesting to you and you're going to talk to your own doctor, be aware, like there are side effects. There are I mean, it's basically like it's a, habit forming. It's habit forming. And it's it's not like I, I, I know there are some people who and it affects different people in different ways. And some people need it all the time. But like I quickly realized like, oh, I don't need this all the time. Like, especially like it's Saturday. I'm not even writing today. Why would I need you know, two doses of Ritalin today because it's not, like, this is not what I need it for. But weirdly, if you tell, uh, we could talk, well, uh, bookmark that because that's yeah. something interesting I want to talk about. But um, keep, keep going. Oh, yeah, no. So so I very quickly learned, like, oh, I only need this when I'm writing, when I'm unmotivated, you know? So suddenly my, pres- so I, I had a prescription for it, after, uh, but it, it went from being something that, like, oh, you need to take these twice a day to like, oh, no, like, occasionally, uh, when you need it, right? you know, you take one or half a one. And here we are 10 years later, I still have a prescription. Like, I don't take it nearly as much. Right. And I only take it like when I need it, like when I'm feeling unfocused. Is it a, would you say you do it every morning or no? No, 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 no. Like, only when I need to write, you know, I want to write and I'm just like not feeling into it. And, um, and with it, even with like, if I'm researching a, a script or, you know, if I'm going to meetings, like, no, like I only, if anything, because it makes me just want to write, like want to focus on what I'm doing, uh, because I have such a crazy hectic schedule, like it would be frustrating to like wake up in the morning, take one, write for two hours and then have to go to a meeting. Right. And, like that would just annoy me. So I would, I really only take it if it's like, you know what, I have nothing to do today um, except focus on this project. So I'm going to take half of one, like in the morning. Yeah. And I found for me, it's been just immensely helpful. But no, I am completely aware that's a very controversial uh, thing, you know, and how it's overprescribed and, you know, it affects different people in different ways. It's habit forming. It's people. It seems crazy that we give it to kids. Yeah. And that's the thing is like. Because it's basically, we can call it, I mean, Ritalin and Adderall are basically, they're both basically methamphetamine. Yeah. Like low level methamphetamine. And yeah. my doctor is very like, you know, when I went in the second time, and even now, if I go in. It's and, gotten so much, in the last 10 years, it's gotten way more strict. Like it's a controlled substance. Like you can't get an automatic refill. You have to go in every time. Don't you have a, do you have, have a signature, right? Yeah. Like it's super. Um, regulated and even the doctor asks you a bunch of questions and pays attention to like how many I prescribed you how long has it been he wants to make sure you're not you know like taking the whole bottle or like snorting it right you know like you he, he wants to make sure you're actually using it for the purpose um but I totally understand that it's you know it's a very tricky thing and they you know, you read articles about how they overprescribe children who don't really need it, how it affects children differently, and it's, like, very complicated. I'm just speaking from my own personal experience. 
But to answer your original question, I was diagnosed at the age of 28 with ADHD by my, by like the medical community. Yeah. You know, because otherwise like they wouldn't prescribe it to you. Um, Debatable, right? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, it is, well, I will say this, that I was surprised. I, so I think I started taking Ritalin in high school. Okay. And always had this sort of love-hate relationship with it, which was to achieve that kind of focus that you were looking for. But the side effect for me was, over a long period of time, is increased anxiety. Mm. And so I'd always be like, after a month or two, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. And then I went back to it when I was working at Leo Burnett. I was working in media, which is where they start you off at at the company. And it was very numbers-based and focus-based. And I was like, I will not be able to get through this job without Ritalin. So I went back on it. And then again, I went off of it again. And then most recently, like maybe four years ago, I was feeling like, man, I really need this because it's like I'm having, and I have, I think there's no debate that I'm ADD. Right. <laughs> uh, I mean, I have all the classic symptoms, you know, uh, great at starting, not always, you know, struggles with finishing, can't, mundane tasks are really challenging. Yeah. Um, all, all the, like, I kind of t- usually score like a 10 out of 10. It's not usually much of a debate whether I have it, but I've noticed that because they want to prevent recreational use of these drugs now, I actually could not get Ritalin, which is my preference. And all you can get now is long-acting Adderall. Really? Yeah, so it's like a 12-hour Adderall, which, as you just described, because the, the doctors want to make sure it's only going to people that have ADD. Yeah. But what they're missing is that I don't... My ADD is not necessarily an issue most of the time. Like if I'm if I'm on set directing or if I'm acting on something or doing stand up comedy or this podcast, like I don't need help to focus. Right. It's really in those those rote mundane tasks, doing your taxes. Well, yeah, because when you're on set directing, like you don't really have your your mind doesn't really have the chance to wander, the opportunity right. because there's stuff you have to do. But when you're sitting alone and you're your home office, like staring at a screen. And then you're like, huh, I wonder, I should look at IMDb for a minute. You yeah. know, like that it's situational. Well, know? research is generally speaking, the easiest way to get Like as a, on the projects I've written, if I, I have to basically tell myself, if I will put a piece of paper next to me and saying, if I have to research something, I have to write it down. Right. Because if, if you start trying to write while researching, I mean, it can be as easy as like, what's a cool name for a boy? Yeah, and then you're like ten hours later, you're like watching a YouTube video about the history of naming people, and uh, but yeah, I mean, I I think I definitely my challenge is that I think that I actually would prefer lower dosage, yeah. shorter acting Ritalin. Yeah, but because that's the perfect kind of uh, speed to basically abuse. Yeah, because no one that like they they basically they're the reason they're forcing the twelve hour. I think now they have an eighteen hour Adderall upon people because they don't they don't want club kids. They want to basically like make it that makes it unattractive to club kids, right? Because then you'd be like, you know, like fuck, you can't sleep, and like, you know, ten hours later, you're still feeling this stuff. Um, well, it's funny because when I first got prescribed it, and I remember going to the the pharmacy and I gave them my prescription, and they're like, uh, "Just so you know, this doesn't um, your insurance is not going to cover this." And I was like, "Oh, really?" And they're like, "Yeah, because this is for children, like this particular dosage or whatever is like for children, and you're a grown man." And so they're going to have to, you're going to have to pay full price. But then of course I was like, oh, well, what's full price? And you and they're like, oh, well, it's 120 tablets for, yeah, it's going to be $19 yeah. or whatever it was. And I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. It's cheaper than cocaine on the street. Yeah. 
um, and which, that, which is your only alternative. Right. But it's re- it is really bizarre because like it is a controlled substance that could very easily in the wrong hands like get out of hand. Yeah. And it's just you know, it's made me read up a lot more and explore more about like pharmaceuticals and like I'm not even a I don't like to take you know I don't like to take NyQuil. Like I don't like to take ibuprofen or aspirin or anything really. Um especially like my wife um you know, grew up in like a Chinese household where it's just like, you don't do that shit. Like it's, right. it's, you don't, you know, think about the, don't think about the symptoms, think about like the root problem, like, you know? And uh, so I don't even, I don't like to put really any medication, like prescription medications or anything in my body, like in a general sense. Um, but in this one particular instance, like I'm, I'm like, oh, I found this really helpful actually. And, uh, and it's, I could very, luckily I don't have a, addictive abusive personality but um i could see how yeah with the wrong person like this could get out of control very quickly yeah i I, 100 i mean if you're at all predisposed to being addicted to anything this is stuff to stay away from yeah um you know they the classic joke in aa they always say is that like when someone starts talking about cocaine you know the story's wrapping up (laughs) and it's, it's, it's 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 like it just drives everything in an overdrive yeah um and, you know, the one thing, there's some things that scare me. Like, there's a big correlation, they say now, between people that are, uh, like, Michael J. Fox. What is He has a uh, Parkinson's. Parkinson's, yeah. They say there's a lot of overlap between people that are heavy heavy alcoholics or cocaine abusers and Parkinson's. Really? Because it's uh, it affects your central nervous system. Mm-hmm. And I think, I for me, like, I, I think the time, when I was working at Leo Burnett, I was taking Adderall. And they would only give me like the six or eight hour version because they were like trying you were to, taking it every day, like every day, pretty much. I would, t- you know, because I was generally speaking, I was working on like a bunch of different accounts, a lot of kind of mundane, boring, you know, a lot of a lot of the time you spend on accounts is just like, are we making money or not? You need to like crunch the numbers, make sure we're going to hit our quarterly reports, particularly as the company was going more, uh, was preparing to go public. Yeah, and I just found that kind of work was almost impossible for me to do without the assistance of Ritalin. And I still, to this day, like things like doing, just going through my mail, I can have like checks sitting in my mailbox that I won't open and just cash because I find that boring and <laughs> mundane and routine. I don't know what that says about me. Um, but when it comes to other creative work, generally speaking, I'm pretty good. I haven't taken it in many years now. I act, but I, as we're talking about it, and as in researching this, um, I was like finding myself kind of peaked my interest was peaked a little bit. There's yeah. actually some some new neurotropic drugs too. The guy that invented bulletproof coffee. Yeah. There's some drug called monophyl No. Mm. I have to I'll put that in the show notes, the exact <laughs> thing. But uh which is apparently like all the benefits of a you know of a speed kind of drug or an amphetamine kind of drug, but none of the edgy side effects. Yeah. And yeah, so when I started doing Second City, I couldn't I couldn't take Adderall without it making me very edgy on stage. Interesting. So I think there's so much adrenaline that goes into performing like at a sketch show or an improv show. I'd find I'd stutter and get like a little bit like, yeah. And even in meetings, sometimes if I had like a cup of coffee and uh, an Adderall, I found that was like way too amped up. Yeah. And, And when I would ask for lower dosage, they would say to me, well, if you need a lower dosage and you probably don't really have ADD. And this is a weird thing of like they like the doctors think that if you are ADD, somehow you want to be on Adderall more throughout the day and a longer acting version. Right. So I think weirdly the attempt to 
police, their recreational use of these pills is is making uh, ADD people suffer with longer, you know, having to be on Adderall through longer periods throughout the day. Yeah, most people only need it for like a specific. I mean, most. I mean, you're not working. Most people are only working three or four hours a day. Well, right? and it's a tricky thing because we're, you know, it it affects different people differently. Like different people, it has opposite reactions. Like on some people, you know, right? And it's just like a really hard thing. Like we're 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 entering this uncanny valley of just like, you know, even me describing it to you now, someone might hear your podcast and be like, "Well, that sounds like me." What Todd's describing, that's you know. But it might be a completely different situation. Well, there's such a fine line between are you bored? Yeah. Or do you have this condition? And I mean, to be honest, these things are all kind of like, like ADD is a real thing. And I've heard that it's it stems back from like the division between hunters and gatherers and that ADD brains are a little bit more hunter based and gatherer brains are a little bit less ADD. And that's why they could focus on planting the crops and waiting for the, you know, waiting patiently for the plants to grow and not overly fussing with it and the hunter ma- brain goes out and has to be on high alert and is well, that's why the that high level of distractibility would be an asset when you're trying to hunt for something or yeah. trying to survive in the woods yeah i mean and i know a lot of people who are like well i've been trying to work on a script but i just haven't found myself like motivated to to write that script was it an actress <laughs> uh <laughs> Like I'm not saying this. Every one of my friends I know is is a writer working on a script right. that they uh, haven't finished in ten years. The beautiful thing about being a writer is that it's the one thing that like everyone just thinks they can do. You like, definitely can say you are one. I am I'm in LA. And in LA, I have not met a single person that says they're not one. <laughs> but like, if someone's like, "Yeah, I've got this idea for a script. I just haven't like gotten myself to sit down and write it." Like, I'm not saying you have ADD. Like, that's not what we're talking Cause about. Because you here. had. What you, I think what separates it for me is that you had an assignment. Yeah. And procrastination is a huge factor, a huge element of ADD. And it's not even just the kind of procrastination where you're just distracted by the internet. It's this, there's something, and I've just, I listened to a bunch of uh, interviews with people on, on YouTube and just listening to different people talk about their experiences taking Adderall and Ritalin. And the most common thing is just this sort of unwillingness to start something. Yeah. I think a lot for, for me was, I started this kind of journey through kind of the self-help space in depth more most recently in my life when I was like the the day I turned no it was the the year I turned 40 but that January 1st I woke up with this incredible sense of like probably what you call a midlife crisis where mm. like what am I doing with my life why did I leave my safe career for this <laughs> insane oh, semi career in entertainment and uh that's when I got but I I started reading a lot of books about like Cal Newport's deep work and you know, even the the Stephen by the book by Stephen Pressfield called the War of Art, or no, the Art of War. No, the War of Art. Okay, yes, the and Art of War was written by someone else <laughs> that, a long time a, ago. That, if, anyone that reads the Art of War has always got yeah. a little bit of a, a little bit of a problem, right? Yeah. It's usually a prick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how to destroy your enemies? But uh, and that's when I I think I start learning way better practices and just understanding like a lot of the a lot of times it is like Stephen Pressfield just. His famous quote is, it's not the writing that's hard, it's the sitting down to write. Right. Which I think is exactly what you're talking about. It's like, sometimes if you just said, I'm going to write five sentences, well, then you're fine mm-hmm. after sentence five. But it's sometimes it's just that getting started. And I don't know if that's a fear of failure thing or a fear of success or all those kind of pseudo-psychological terminologies. Um, but I mean, at the at the core of all procrastination is a, is a fear of not being good, yeah. is what I've been told. Right. Like a fear that if I... 
uh, I don't know what I'm doing. So uh, see, I, I don't start. have that problem. I think I'm really good. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, knowing you, I think, yeah. <laughs> like, I think I'm a pretty good writer. And then that's that's why it was started to get to me, because I'm like, I, I have this assignment that I'm excited to work on, and I have really great ideas, and I'm ready to go. And then you sit down, and you're like, ah, what else could I be looking at right now? And that's what didn't make sense to me, you know? And the more I looked into it, and the more I read, and then I read that article and heard that podcast, and I was like, oh, and that started conversations. And of just like, you know, at the beginning of this podcast, when you asked me, was I ever diagnosed? And like, my doctor would ask me a lot of questions about like, well, when you were a kid, would you this, that, and the other thing? Did you have trouble sitting still in class? Yeah, or like, or like, I was like, I have like mild OCD tendencies, you know, um, of like, I would count things, you know, I would like count windows over and over and over in my head just because I wasn't paying attention. And and um, a lot of these little things that kind of all add up because only, you know, three to 5% of the population probably has attention deficit disorder on some right. level. So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, well, it sounds like I have that. I should go get a prescription. And so like, it's not that simple. Like there's more to it. But wouldn't it be pretty easy just to read an ADD questionnaire and guess all the right i mean well i mean it, sure. it, wouldn't, it wouldn't take that much research sure i mean the doctors at some point are sort of the, if you're lazy enough not to do the research but anyone that wants to try this stuff probably could get through it i mean the reality is you know go online right now and you can read countless articles about how like college campuses and high schools are now just like a wash in it. a wash in kids buying adderall from each other for $15 a pill so that they can get through exams and it's a very interesting you know somewhat you well, know. I mean, everyone I know that's ever gone to grad school, I don't know if you listen to Joe Rogan from time to time, I'll listen to him, and he had, recently he was talking about Adderall, and I'm trying to download an ADD questionnaire here just to just to go through <laughs> some of the questions. But, um, I mean, pretty much I've heard him say that every almost every journalist he's ever had on the show kind of admits to using Adderall or Ritalin. Really? Yeah. Everyone I know that's gone through a, an intensive MBA or graduate school program says they have to use Ritalin or Adderall. For me, the number one time I remember pushing the limits of how much, like, I was always a very, like, sensitive to the dosage. So, and I remember the first only time I ever asked my doctor for a higher dosage was when I had to write a paper on the flat tax. It was my senior thesis. Oh, wow. And I just remember being, like, you know, just the kind of thing where you're sitting in front of a computer researching tax codes and really boring stuff. I, although at the time I was really interested in it. Um, but I remember that being the kind of assignment, just hardcore academic work. There's, there's really not much stimulating in it. I remember that was when I really felt like I needed a boost of Adderall or yeah. Ritalin. And I think that kind of schoolwork seems really for almost everybody, because it should be that if you're not ADD and you take this drug, then it would be overstimulating. Yeah. But it doesn't seem like that's the case. It seems like it actually has a pretty strong effect or a good effect on people. Um yeah, I'm just going through this right now. Like, the questionnaire, this is one of 70. So oh, let's a, a one of 70? <laughs> that's a little too long, but the first <laughs> one is easily distracted. But isn't everyone easily distracted these days? I mean, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I mean, maybe not. I don't know. I guess people who aren't, maybe you think everyone is, and maybe I think everyone is, but maybe most people aren't. Well, yeah. Well, I, just think, I think the th funny thing is when we were talking about this is like you and I have such different working styles. I mean, I, I think of you as not someone as ADD necessarily from my standpoint, because it's like, for instance, you're really good at finishing. You're always the guy when in our comedy group, the vacationers, like you'd make sure the project got edited and finished and posted. And we were always the ones that were like, let's start the new thing. Right. 
Um, and I, you know, so like fi- trouble finishing is a big, you know, ADD indicator, but you don't have that as much, but I think it can be a lot of things for a lot of people. Yeah. And I think there's like the, a macro level of ADD. And then there's like the micro level. There's like the day to day minute by minute, like focusing on things. Right. And then there's the like macro level, like I get distracted by projects and go on some other thing, you know? Uh, by a day-to-day or week-to-week basis. And then there's just, like, in the moment um, focusing on something and completing that task. And there's a difference. You know, and there's also debate, sorry, there's also debate, like, whether prescription medication for, you know, ADD or ADHD, like, affects creativity, you know? And a lot, there's a camp that says, like, oh, it affects your creativity, makes you less creative. I I think it does for me. I I feel like... When I know I need, like, when I know the outline of a script and I know what I need to write, and it's now just like, I gotta write the pages out. Particularly if you're on a deadline for someone else, where it's like, I can't just hand in a rough draft. It has to be something I feel like people can read. So I don't have to be proofed and it's gonna have to be yeah. really buttoned down. It can't just be like, you know, the first draft that I write for myself. I find that that, like, that would be the key time or like, uh, Adderall would help or Ritalin would help because it's focusing me on the path I already know to take. Right. But if I had to brainstorm something, I probably would not, I would not be inclined to take Adderall. Yeah, neither would I. Well, like I was saying before, like if I was in a writer's room, mm-hmm. you know, like on a television show, like I wouldn't f- think I'd feel any need to take it because it's just like, oh, there's outside forces like forcing me to, to focus in. To focus in. But when you're left to your own devices, um, that's when, you know, I would have problems, which because it's a very hard thing to do. Um, so it's kind of, it's, I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, cause I think writing generally, I mean, you could ask any writer, is it easy to sit down and write? Like no one says yes. I don't mean a ton of people that think that's easy. I mean, the thing is though, like I know some writers who like, I know book like novelists who just like crank that shit out. Who just, I mean, I know novelists who like have three kids who the kids go to school, like, and they sit and just crank out, you know? four or five chapters of the book they're working on in the middle of the day. Yeah. In the middle of the day. And, I, and, and which is like the hardest time to write, I think for anyone. Yeah. And I, you know, and I know a lot of writers, like I love writing. I love writing. And I, yeah, really... of all the people I know that are right, like you are the most writer, writer I know in that you love writing. You'll sometimes be like, Hey, I think I have this idea. I'm going to, I might do something fun this weekend and write it, go like check into a hotel in Glendale yeah. and write a script. Yeah. I do that all the time. And, and it's not the like, oh, I have this idea, like, oh, I have this idea for this romantic comedy, but I just, you know, haven't motivated myself to start writing right. it. Like, I'm the one who are like, oh, I'm going to start writing it tomorrow, you know? And then once I sit down and start working on it, like, after day two of working on it, suddenly it's just like, I know what I want to do, but I just can't f- focus on this right now because I keep getting... But is your style of writing, that because we haven't even talked about this much i mean do you outline a lot or do you just kind of start writing yeah i fully outline like i i have a beat sheet of like a number a page one to a hundred and i write down everything that happens every minute because you know when you're writing a script a page in the script is a minute of the movie so i number uh, a sheet from one to a hundred which is the hundred minutes of the right. movie and then i just start filling in what happens on every minute of the movie. I think I still, I think you actually gave me that advice when I wrote Folk Hero and Funny Guy. Yeah. And I used it. Yeah. And then I used like, I kind of put the, like the save the cat thing. Okay. That like whole like, you know. Well, yeah. And you put like, you know, on page 30 is end of the first act and page, you know, 85, whatever. Um, page 10 is the inciting incident. And then once that's full, 
then I start writing. And um, because I am kind of, I do have weird OCD tendencies where like when I start something, I have to finish it like with a, yeah. scri- with a script or a project. Like I don't have any unfinished scripts like on my, on my computer. Like ever I've, if I'm going to start something like I'm yeah. motivated, like I'm committed to finishing this because if I don't finish it, it's going to make me feel uncomfortable knowing that it's unfinished. Like I would just rather crank out a first draft of something that's not good right. than write 45 pages and then like never look at it again. Cause that would make me uncomfortable. Right. But that's me. Yeah. Well, let me, let's go through the ADD. I found a shorter ADD oh, sure, survey. Let's do it. So it's for, for question one, how often do you have difficulty sustaining your attention while doing something for work, school, hobby, fun activity? Never, I mean, rarely, sometimes. All the time. All the I mean, time. So let me ask you, when you're like, now that we all have smartphones, like do you, when you're watching TV or a movie, are you like looking at your phone the entire time? That's an interesting question. No, only because I'm so only because of, I mean, partly through this podcast and just my own like research, like yeah. I know all the dangers. Like I turn off all the like one symptom of this is I'm really bad at returning to texts and mm. emails because I turn all the notifications off. Mm. Um, so that means like often like if I like put my phone down and forget to check it for a couple hours, like oh someone's like, hey you want to go out tonight? And I'm like oh I didn't even see that because I so I'm like almost like the, for the same reason I don't own a video game console. I sort of have hobbled my phone quite a bit to make yeah. it distraction free. I love going to the movie theater because it forces me to not, you know, look at my phone. Yeah. Uh, but like the other day I was watching the fa- a screener of the favorite and long movie, long movie. But I was like, Queen Anne, I want to know more about her. Mm. So I start like reading the Queen Anne Wikipedia page on my phone while I'm watching the movie because I want to know more, you know, and I have this problem like all the time. Every time I watch anything, uh, I'm like, I want to know more about this thing that I'm watching. Like, who direct, who directed this, and what else have they done? Um, but would this have been? A, I mean, it's hard now. I mean, I almost can't remember what it was like before the second screen yeah, TV type I of know. viewing. Watching The Crown, I was doing a lot of that. What, what happened with you know? You sort of you sort of like spoil the show for yourself because you type in like, what happened with uh, Prince Albert or whatever, and you would uh, you know you'd find you'd start doing the research and then look back up at the show. Yeah, and culturally, you know. Now, when we all watch sports or award shows, we're all like looking at Twitter, like seeing what funny people are saying about the award show that we're currently watching. But it's like, I'm a filmmaker and I love movies and I love the theatrical experience. And I love, I mean, it kills me knowing that there's a dude, like if I was the director of The Favorite, you know, I don't Mm -hmm. want people reading the Wikipedia page about Queen Anne while watching my movie. Like watch the movie, Uh, you know, but it's so it's something like I wrestle with myself. Uh, which yeah, is, like Roma, I know is I know it's long. Mm-hmm. I've heard no one say that it's an easy watch, mm-hmm. and that's the kind of movie that I just don't feel like queuing up on Netflix. I want to go see it in the theater, but then there's this conundrum: Am I really going to pay twelve bucks to see something that I can literally watch for free at home? But also, thankfully, with Roma, it's um, subtitled, so you have to pay attention. Oh, well, in that case, you know, you I have, almost have to see it in the theater. You have to read it. You can't be looking at your phone reading about like the history of Mexico while you're watching Roma because you actually have to be watching. Roma. Anyway. Well, I was telling Stacey the other day, I was like, I don't want to watch anything with subtitles if we're going to be eating. And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, because I can't eat and watch the movie because <laughs> I have to keep looking up the subtitles and then my food's going cold. All right. So that, I mean, this is this is what the challenge of AD, the diagnosing ADD in this digital era is that there's some, but I mean, like, uh, do you get distracted doing a hobby or, well, so I think the answer is, it sounds like you would be a, uh, often, mm-hmm. uh, too. Are you uh, easily distracted by external stimulus? 
I think the answer would be yes. Sure. I think I would say yes to that too. How often do you avoid, dislike, or are reluctant to engage in tasks that require sustained mental effort or thought? All the time. That's my number one. Yeah. Often. How often do you have trouble listening to someone even while they're speaking directly to you like your mind is somewhere else? Oh, man. I can't even tell you. I think I've gotten better about that, but I'm sure people would tell me I'm not. I'm pretty bad about like um, zoning out. Do you know... I'm, uh, so as a writer, I don't know if your audience knows what a general meeting is, mm. um, but when you're a writer or director, sometimes even actors, like you go in general meetings where you just go meet people, like you go meet a producer or a development executive. And the whole um, point is just like to get to know you, to put a name to a face. There's nothing specific to talk about. But right. It's just like, where are you from? What kind of thing are you looking for? And often, there's, there's always this weird pressure to seem somewhat interesting and, yeah. and almost talk about yourself or your accomplishments. But oftentimes, like, the person that you're meeting, they're, they're, they're like, well, let us tell you what we're doing. So we have this one project. It's like, it's a, this book adaptation. And they start just, like, pitching you their projects. <laughs> and I have the hardest time just not, like, completely zoning out and, like, looking at what, you know, knickknacks they have on their shelf in the background and wondering about those things. That's um, interesting. I, I think I don't have that issue mm -hmm. as much. But yeah, if I'm interested, I guess it just depends if I'm interested in what they're saying or not. Yeah. I mean, but generally speaking, if someone's engaging me one on one, I'm okay listening. So mm -hmm. that might be, we might just have different forms of this condition. <laughs> Do you have difficulty organizing? That's off the charts for me. Mm. Very difficult for me to organize. Are you pretty organized? I think I'm pretty organized. Yeah. Like I've seen your, your desk, your office yeah. is like, yeah, I, my yeah. desk constantly gravitates towards total chaos. Hmm. And I have those friends, I'm sure you've seen those friends, they have like their computer on their desk and nothing else. And you're like, where do you put everything? Hmm. But maybe I'm organized because I've been taking ADD medication off and on for 10 years. That's good. That's a good, good point. Uh -huh. How often do you fail to, get, to give close attention to detail or make careless mistakes in such things as schoolwork, at home, or during other activities? Uh, yeah, that's me. I'm a, I'm a big picture guy. I don't really worry about details. Uh, I used to have that attitude and thinking it was a, I went to a very supportive public, uh, private school. <laughs> and when I went to college, like, we don't give a fuck about your big picture. Don't sweat the small stuff. Like you better pr start mm -hmm. proofreading. And more so when I got to Leo Burnett, where I was like, yeah, you can't be sending emails out with typos. I'm like, why not? They're mm. like, cause the client thinks you're careless. And I'm like, they, they get it. And after now, as you get older, you're like, oh yeah. I, yeah. When someone writes me an email that's got typos in it, I just kind of. You know, even though I am Unless the guy. they're really important. Because there's this whole other thing of, like, CEOs, like, important people. The more important you are, the it's almost like a badge of honor to have texts or emails filled with typos and misspellings. It's like you were too busy to even take a second look at your own email. So you send it with all these errors in it. I'm currently, I have a project that's in casting that's dealing with executives at both CAA and WME. <laughs> And it's the ultimate. Like one of them said, salad you later. And I could tell that they probably saw that. I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. This guy's a low level director. Yeah. I don't really need to worry about it. Um, that is definitely a phenomenon. In fact, I, I have to coach my girlfriend when she's like writing emails like to important people. I'm like, she'll write like a dissertation, you know, the reason I have, you know, I'm honored that you're reading this current email. <laughs> and I'm like, babe, the way you say this is like, I like you. I think you might be a good fit for my brand. We should talk. That's all you need to write. Well, yeah, and the kids these days, the millennials, like they don't even, capitalization and like punctuation is yeah, yeah. considered lame. Like if you do that, and text messages especially. Like I capitalize words and use like periods. I've noticed commas. that lowercase is cooler. Yeah. 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 Real cool. <laughs> How often do you do 
Uh, how often do you forget to do something, such as missing an appointment or paying a bill? Hmm. I think before the iCal, all the time. Yeah. But post iCal, very rarely. I think that pre calendars. I mean, I've mm-hmm. also spent my entire life, like starting with like Franklin Covey training when I was like 21. Till I mean, I've built so many systems around knowing that I am so forgetful. So, but if something's not on my calendar, yeah. it's a hundred percent going to be missed. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll get like I sometimes audition and like I'll get an audition. You have an audition at two o'clock tomorrow. I'm like, cool. If I don't write it down, like the next day at three o'clock, I'll be like, oh shit. Yep. Oh my god, I had an audition today. Didn't well, it's I? funny. I have a different impression of you now that we're talking. I mean, I because oh, you are never late. <laughs> no, you're always on time. Yeah. Um, time blindness, which I don't know if it'll come up in this survey, but I have bad what they call time blindness, mm. which means if I'm like, let's just say the classic problem for me is this: I have 45 minutes before I have to leave the house. I will sit down to do something that's clearly not going to take 45 minutes. Right. But I think I can get it done, and then I look up. And all of a sudden, I've blown past the 45-minute mark, and now I'm actually going to be late to my appointment. So like one of my New Year's resolutions this year is to be everywhere 15 minutes early and just sit and just like be relaxed. Because I'm, I'm always going to auditions or like important meetings like with that stress of like – I'm literally usually wa- – if I'm walking in the door like as I'm like a minute late. I, um, I kind of like as a kid was like that. But then, A, I love movies, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I hate – missing the beginning of a movie i'm with you in that so even since i was a little kid like if i'm gonna miss a second of the movie i don't want to watch it like i'll just go to a later showing so i always made sure i was always do the movies early and then i was a pizza boy for like two or three years in college and i had to master the brag i had to master the art of like how long it takes to get places because you know we had we you tell them it's going to take whatever however many minutes and you're like, well, it's eight blocks from here, so it's going to take this long. Because I find a lot of people, a lot of friends I have, like their time blindness or whatever, is if I said, how long does it take to get to LAX? You know, if someone would be like, I don't know, like 10 minutes? And you're like, well, no, no, it takes 50 minutes. But they just don't think about time in that way. Whereas I'm I'm hyper aware right. of how long it takes to get anywhere in this city or any city I've ever been to. Of Just like how long it takes to do tasks and how long... It gets takes to get anywhere because I feel like a lot of people just don't. Well, my remedy for that is I literally have to put in my calendar. Like, so if I have an audition tomorrow at three, yeah, I will write. I will go to Waze and Waze has a feature where you can investigate. Like, what? Like, if I need to be there by three, I'll say yeah. like three. I do all this. I like I put in the calendar. Then leave now for this. So I like because I really can get like that kind of thing where I'll, like, I'll leave a half hour before an audition in Santa Monica, which is like. Maybe in the best of conditions, it might take exactly half hour from door to door, but that's yeah. totally unlikely. Um, but even then, I still just kind of get uh, – it's amazing. When I really strive to be super early to something, I find that I'm just showing up on time. <laughs> um, I just grew – I don't know. It's like a southern thing of like – you of punctuality. Courtesy. Like a courtesy. I think it's just like rude to be late. Um, and so I'm always on time. Like today, I was here three minutes early, and you knew I was going to be – I never would worry that you're yeah. going to be like, and you're also not someone that a common thing in LA is that people always feel the need to recheck in that you're coming. Mm-hmm. Like if I set something with you at two o'clock, like I think, and I think I'm actually pretty reliable in that regard too. I do not, we have a lot of friends that like to flake out last mm-hmm. minute. So it's like an inevitable, like, yeah. Oh, do you, you just don't feel like you don't feel like hundred <laughs> percent today, 
we have a lot of friends that will say like, yeah, I'm just kind of feeling tired. I may not, I might not do that obligation that I committed to yesterday. I might just catch it today. Cool. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I guess I'll make other plans. <laughs> um, this is a big one for me. Do you, uh, do you often lose, misplace or damage something that's necessary, necessary to get things done? I.e. your phone, eyeglasses, paperwork, wallet, keys. Uh, I'm on my fourth or fifth pair of um, earpods, Apple AirPods. You've been going through that many pairs? Uh, yeah, I've lost a lot of them. Dude. I've lost a lot of sunglasses. I now have the keychain. For for Christmas, both my wife and my sister-in-law... For the AirPods. Gave me the AirPods That key solves chain. that problem. Yeah. I, I've had so many miss... Like, like, I had it fall on the ground once, and I walked out of the store, and when I got in the car, I opened it just for some reason... And it when it drops, it launches out an AirPod and then closes back up. <laughs> so I then went back into the botanical was the restaurant here on Silver Lake. Yeah. Start searching the floors. Like I'm like, this is ridiculous. And finally I found it underneath the refrigerator, botanical. Wow. When I got my first ATM card in college in eighteen ninety seven, I was a freshman in college, the bank had to have like a talk with me because I left <laughs> my ATM card in the machine. Like seven or eight times like i would go i'd put it in i'd get the cash out and then i would just walk away and you know it ends up it takes the card and like chops it up inside i think i used to do that that's i think we're as i'm talking more through you as you're i think you're legit add i've now i've now I, i have an american express card my wife makes fun of me for this i'm also a big fan of um like i pay at a at a restaurant and they like bring you the bill you know, and you give them, the, they come back with a credit card statement and your credit card's like tucked into the the thing on the left. I always forget mine. I forget. I'm on like my fifth or sixth Amex in the last like two years because my, I always leave my card. My friend Kate put a American flag stamp on my uh, my Chase Sapphire card, which mm-hmm. is black. Mm-hmm. Black card instead of a check, black, you know, black check presenter, obviously. Uh, but now everyone thinks I'm like, it's weird to think that an American flag would make people think that you're a Republican. <laughs> it's like, can I just be a patriotic liberal? Um, but I, I've now watch, had watch to... your knee on that. Uh, oh, is that what's making that? Yeah, noise? I think oh, it's hitting them. No, or maybe you're hitting the uh, stand. Okay. It's not, not a big deal. Um, I, I thought it was you. I didn't know. But, um, <laughs> could be. but no, I have a really bad habit of just like forgetting random things like that. This is shattering my perception of you. <laughs> Is this your biggest nightmare to realize that you're a lot more like me than you no, might no. realize? Stars that are just like us, Joe. <laughs> this is that segment. Um, how often do you have trouble following through on instructions or failing to finish schoolwork, chores, duties in the workplace? I don't like instructions. Mm. Like if I get something from Ikea, I'm like, I'm going to try to put this together without <laughs> looking at the instruction. I'm a, I'm a sometimes here, I, but when I think, when they say the word schoolwork, yeah. I mean, I was a horrible student, homework for me, and I was also just given no tools to manage that. I found, like, I felt a wash in homework, and it, my solution was just to do nothing. And yeah. I remember my mom, t- my mom tells me today that she would find school books hidden, slid, I'd slide them underneath <laughs> the rug. She'd find them, like, a year later, two years later, and, and like, she'd always be mad. She's like, I had to pay $60 for that workbook, and I was like, I don't know, it must have just fallen back there, you know. Yeah, I was a classic, like, wait until the last minute. Yeah. Um, And even now, like, I don't like how to learn how to do stuff. Like, I don't like taking lessons for anything. So even someone's like, oh, you're turning 40, you're going to go skydiving? I'm like, you got to, like, learn. You got to go to, like, four (laughs) hours ahead of time and learn how to skydive. Please don't don't go casually skydiving. (laughs) 
I'm like, I don't know how to play any musical instruments because I just like, I'm like, you got to learn how mm. to do that. You got to like take, I, I never played sports like in high school. Cause I'm like, you have to practice. You have to, you want me to go to practice an hour before and after school every day. The game's like once a week. Can't we just show up to the games? That's interesting. Uh, I'm, this is, I'm, I always thought I was like, it's like, cause you told me like, Oh, I take Ridlin. I was like, Todd, you're not ADD. <laughs> Because I just because you're honestly one of the most reliable people uh-huh. I know, and you're oh, such a hard worker, and you get we used to call you Robo Todd, yeah, because we thought there was a robot double of you right. as well. Because you would be like, while directing, it's a disaster. You'd also plan like a fun like Oscar party night, and we're like, how is he doing all this at once? But can't someone be reliable and have ADD at the same time? Well, I haven't managed it yet. <laughs> How often are you unable to play or engage in leisurely activities quietly? Play? I think, how old is this? How old are you supposed to be when you take this quiz? I don't know. But I mean, old enough to be able to read. I don't have a lot of trouble in my, I have never had the hyperactivity. Um, I've never been no, like yeah, the kid that was bouncing out of, and that's why it was yeah. difficult for the diagnosis for me when I was younger. Is like, oh, he, because I was a quiet, yeah. um, sat still kind of kid until like, until I hit middle school, and then I became uh, hell on wheels. But yeah. I was a pretty quiet, and I mean, I remember my teachers thought I was too quiet when I was a kid, which I've overcompensated for since. <laughs> How often do you have difficulty waiting your turn, such as while waiting in line? Oh my god, this is oh, a yeah. huge one. Yeah, waiting in line is my personal uh-huh. hell. I hate it. I hate it. Like, just like I don't like learning things, so like I don't like waiting in line for anything. Right, and. If, like, but this is also couldn't anyone at home right now say, well, so who? No, duh. Who loves waiting I think in British line? British people like really like waiting in line. <laughs> I don't know. I've, that's what I've heard. British listeners, please, please. Uh... But like, I have no tolerance. You could be like, when we'll go to Sundance. Like, we'll we've even been to Sundance together. And like, there's this really cool party. Like Robert Redford is there giving yeah. out like free bottles of champagne. But we only have to wait in line for twenty minutes. I'm like, I'm good. Like, but I don't that's a different kind of line. Like, I'll give you an ex- like for. There's two kinds of lines that I really hate. One is like the line for the thing that I may not get the seat at. Mm-hmm. Like last night, I had to go to a premiere for a movie I'm in. No, oh, no big deal. Oh. The Unicorn coming out February third, I believe. Nice, Robert Schwartzman, second film, very funny. Saw it last night. Um, but this, like, I anything where I feel like I could be losing out or like not like so that was one of those weird situations where the the cooler you are and the higher status you are in that kind of situation. There's no stress for you to get your seat. Yeah. Like the star of the movie doesn't have to like walk into the theater until a minute before it starts. Yeah. Jeff Grace, number, you know, 18 on the call sheet. Got to get in there a little earlier. Plus I was with my girlfriend. First time she's really been to something like this. I want to make sure we have a seat. Yeah. And even when I thought I went in early enough, I was barely got a seat because there's always that thing where they have like 85 rows of reserved seats. So even though the theater looks dead empty, you can't sit anywhere. Yeah. Um, but we've been like taking my daughter to Disney. We got a Disney annual pass from mm, Disneyland. That's a line factory. Yeah, it's a line factory. But like, I'm a, I'm like, really? We got to wait 20 minutes for the teacups? Like, no, let's go do something else. Like, yeah. All right. So that's a, we both have high degrees of impatience. I'm an impatient person. Mm-hmm. But that's actually, I think impatience is sort of the motor that drives a lot of my like, I think, I think while we've been good at making movies over the years, is like, we're both kind of impatient. Like, let's just do it now. Yeah. Let's, no matter what it takes, get it done. So maybe there's that's the plus side of ADD. How often do you feel like you're on the go, acting as if you're driven by a motor, e.g. you're unable to be or comfortable being still for an extended period of time, such as in a restaurant or a meeting? Mm, I think I would say that one's like 50-50. I don't know. It's just like there are some places where 
You ever read the Chuck Klosterman essay about how they're cocaine people and marijuana people? Mm. And not like people who actually enjoy those drugs, but like one kind of per- a, a cocaine person is someone who no matter what they're doing socially, they're thinking about like what else they could be doing. Like if you're at dinner, they're like, where are we going after this? Or right. if you're at a bar, they're like, what other bar could we but be But they're not to? legitimately on cocaine. They're not on cocaine. And then whatever they're doing, they're just thinking about like what else do we do? At, what else are we going to do after this? And a marijuana person, so, someone who's whatever we're doing right now, I'm fine doing for the rest of the night. Yeah. Like, if we're at dinner, I could just sit here with these people for five hours. Or if we're at this bar, let's just stay here, you know? And I, I feel like I'm more of a marijuana person. Um, like, I'm not ever really thinking about like what else I could be doing right yeah. now. Uh, you- I'm usually comfortable doing whatever it is I'm doing. Well, that's you go back to Sundance. Mm-hmm. So Sundance is filled with what I call cocaine oh, personality yeah. people because mm-hmm. it's always, are you going to the next party? Yeah. And when they're at that party, like, are you going to the one after this? Mm-hmm. And I found like a, a going back to line anxiety, which I do think has a bit of a social status implication as well. Because if you're in line at Sundance, there's a bit of an implication like you're not important enough to get into this party. Yeah. So there's like that layered on top of it, which is like, well, you're not really anybody. And then you see like. I don't know, insert famous actor. Who, who's the actor? We like John Hamm walks right through, goes right in, and you're like, and like, I know that I'm not on John Hamm's level, yeah. but it hurts. <laughs> I want to be, I just, just want to be able to walk in places like I'm John Hamm. Um, so that has nothing to do with ADD. That's just more of my insecurities in life and career. Um, how often do you blurt out answers before a question has been completed? I think we're both strong on that. Uh, yeah, one. yeah, yeah. We both are. <laughs> As I think about all the times that you're like, Jeff, <laughs> Jeff, wait for me to finish talking. <laughs> um, do you often feel restless, like you want to get out and do something? No. I have a bit of a restless disposition, or, or a am definitely wired to be social. Yeah. I would say that we are both healthy on the number of activities per week would be higher than the average Joe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that. Um, how often do you fidget, tap your hands or feet, squirm in your seat? A lot. I don't know if I, I do feel restlessness sitting, but I don't really, I don't know. I've gotten it under control over the years. You ever play with a fidget spinner? No, no. I, well, clicky pens are my, like sometimes I'll be in a meeting and I'll realize like someone will look at my pen and I'll be like, oh, I've probably been clicking this for like the last half hour. I have a wedding ring now and I play with my wedding ring a lot. I take it off all the time and like flip it around and like, I'm always playing with it. I'm going to lose it one day. Are you still, I have found this be critical. If I jog in the morning. All of these things that we're talking about here go away to a high degree. Mm. Like if I run for like 30 to 40 minutes in the morning, and if I do that consistently and I get enough sleep, all the ADD conditions, I would say like every question here, I probably knock down one answer. So like, I don't know, you used to run a lot. Do you still? I run a lot or exercise every day. And if I don't, I feel anxious. Like I'm like, I need to go outside and run for yeah. like at least 20 minutes, at least, just at least just to like calm down well how much of add could be cured by just having a more interactive standing up like in sweden apparently they like do way more play than we do here and the kids are learning a lot more apparently really in- i don't know scientific- I, I feel like we're solving a lot of problems in this <laughs> podcast right now well that comes to 17 <laughs> how often do you find yourself talking excessively <laughs> enough to have oh, a podcast yeah i definitely talk too much uh we both suffer from that mm-hmm. <laughs> Jerry, our friend Jerry is also another one of those people that has to often be like, Todd, Jeff, I haven't finished talking. I haven't finished my sentence yet. You're like, oh, okay. How often do you interrupt or intrude on others, such as butting into their conversations or taking over what others are doing? 
often. I've been told that I do such things. It's the hardest thing. <laughs> I think in like those general meetings we're talking about, mm-hmm. that's where I can really motor mouth. And I often leave those meetings going, Jesus Christ, I should have just sh- shut up and just listened. I have a really big problem interrupting people. You mm. and I have actually talked about this before. Like, mm. I kind of grew up in a household where everybody just interrupted each other all mm-hmm. the time. And I have a really big problem, even like in a meeting, like an important meeting of just like <laughs> someone's talking and I'll just cut in and start talking. Yeah. Because it's like, I have something to say and I'm going to say it right now versus waiting for you to finish. But I've become much more aware of it now. And now I interrupt people. I'm like, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. What were you saying? That's a hard one. I, I don't know how to get better about that because it's such this impulse of like, if I don't say it now, and I think it's because if you're ADD, maybe because you're forgetful, mm-hmm. there's a fear in me at least that if I don't, this is a big thing. Like task management is really tough for me. And I often find that like, I'll have a thousand open tabs or things of that nature because I have this feeling that if I don't do it right now, I don't trust myself to remember to do it later. And I think that actually affects like in a conversation, I'll be like, oh, let me cut you off or let me let me inject this amazing thought I have and then you can tell the person's annoyed and yeah. yeah yeah that's not that's the side of myself that i try to work on the the most were your symptoms well it's mainly, apparently it was met for people over the age of 12 oh were several of the symptoms present prior to age 12 uh, yeah yeah i don't remember it was a long time ago but yeah i mean as we talked about at the beginning of this podcast nothing to the point where you know i wanted to look into not not it was never problematic but definitely I probably would have been better at, at school. Well, I think you're probably, knowing you, you're a smart guy, you were probably smart enough to actually be distracted, not being paying a lot of attention, and still get decent grades, yeah. and therefore no one was concerned. Like I was saying, I was smart enough to realize that I never paid attention and took notes in class, so I was smart enough to find a kid who did, and then pay him to photocopy his notes and study those for the test. <laughs> you had to pay a non-ADD kid. Yeah. Uh, lastly, do the symptoms appear in at least two or more settings at home and or at school? Oh. Which I think is probably geared at like, sc- we know public public education yeah. is designed yeah. to be as boring as possible. But it's interesting because you and I hear this quiz and we're like, well, yes, isn't everyone like this? But no, everyone is not like this. We maybe just think people are because that's how we that's are. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, I think working on a film, too, you have, like, the ADs mm-hmm. and the script supervisors. Like, those are jobs I could never, mm-hmm. ever... The, I, like, like I've met, uh, like, line producers. My friend Bryce, I was like, what's your favorite thing about the job? She says, oh, I love paperwork. I don't That's know what insane. it is. And that, to me, is my living, scorching <laughs> hell. Paperwork is, like, the thing I hate the most. Um, I don't like talking to people on the phone. I could never be a producer because you have to talk to people on the phone. I don't really like talking to people on the phone. Again, I, I talk excessively, so yeah. apparently that's the skill I have. Mm. Um, all right. Well, I'm actually pretty convinced now that you're ADD. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, I'm going to up your milligrams to uh, 20 milligrams per dose. Okay, good. Um, so, so the last, like, what's the last thing you took Ritalin for something? When was the last time? Mm. Yesterday. I'm okay. working on a script right now, and I woke up in the morning, and I was like, you know what, I. I have all, this is all I have to do today from, you know, my work day at home is 10 a.m. until five. Uh, And I was like, this is all I'm going to do is work on this script. So I'm going to take half of one today to really just like hunker down and work. And I did. And I worked all day on it. And would you take another one in the afternoon? No, I have found that like, if I take one after two or three, I'm just like, it like keeps me up at night because it's, that's what it does. It, It keeps you awake. Yeah. Um, it's that's part of it, and you know I have to go to sleep. I have a child now, and I have to go to sleep because I have to wake up early in the morning, 
What and time is that? I wake up about 7, 6.37. It's not too crazy early. No, it used to be earlier, but mm-hmm. no, it's about 6.37, which is still early. So now I'm in bed by 11 o'clock every night. And if I were to take one later in the day, especially because I just stop working at 4 or 5, or like 5 or 6 now. Which um, probably people listening at home think that sounds like a light work day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you're actually writing from 10 till about 4, like mm-hmm. that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mentally exhausting. Yeah. Because um, a lot of people have like day jobs, or when I used to work in advertising, to, yeah, I would sit at a desk from nine till six, seven, eight o'clock at night. But most of that is like meetings and bullshit and yeah. lunch. And but I'll go months and months without taking anything, right? Mm. Because like if I'm directing something, like I don't take it when I'm directing. Because um, there's enough, there's enough urgency and yeah. drive and structure that I think that it'd be. I would feel very off if yeah. I were to take Riddler yeah. or Adderall while like directing something or if i don't have a job you know if i'm just like going to meetings or pitching or whatever i'm not it's really just those moments where you're you know james con and misery like sitting alone by yourself right trying to write um that's when i find it incredibly helpful and all other aspects of my life i do feel like i have add like everything like like i do feel like i have add like everything we just talked about yeah but all of those things seem manageable and I don't feel like, just because I don't like waiting in lines, I don't feel like I need to take a pill to make me want to wait in line. Right. You know? This is like the one part of my life. But because it is my livelihood, right. it's how I make a living, it's how I pay my bills, it's how I support my family. Like, I found it important to investigate uh, such a thing. Only after reading this article of this journalist who did the same exact thing, you know. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, my last experience and why I have not taken Adderall since probably seven years ago by the way i've never taken adderall so oh, yeah. I, I can't even speak on they're that. cousins but okay so this was the, the the cautionary tale for you out there the last time i took adderall i they gave me the long dose mm-hmm. i think i woke up late one day and so i didn't take my first pill until like 10 30 11 and that night i'm like been prone to night terrors but that night i fell asleep and woke up and i was trying to break out the i was like sleep like, uh, like sleep is trying to jump out a window. Whoa. Yeah. I was, uh, I mean, the window wasn't open. I didn't even get past the curtain, but generally speaking, I was banging at a window, my bedroom window, standing on top of the back of my bed. Uh, I, my foot was bleeding when I woke up and I had, was holding a lamp. Oh my or, God. So what happened is my then, uh, girlfriend slash fiance, Liza, we did not get married. Um, we, maybe that was part of the stress. Um, the I was hold. She goes, "You're holding a lamp." I'm like, "No, I'm not. No, I'm not." And uh, she's like, "What are you doing?" She's freaking out. And I look down, and there's a broken lamp on the ground. And like that was like when I was, I can't do this. I mean, it's like, and it, I researched that like right then and there. I'm like, does Adderall have any effect? And there was like a whole form about night terrors and Adderall. Interesting. So, but that's also part of the frustration I've had is like because they only allow you to have the longer acting stuff. Mm-hmm. That means that like a long eight hour dose spills into your evening. Mm. So I I'm. Like, as much as I could use a little bit of help focusing on certain kind of tasks and projects, I'm a little apprehensive to go back into it. Yeah. Because uh, the last time I was practically almost jumping out a window yeah, that's in, not in the middle of my sleep. I would not do that again. Yeah. For you. <laughs> so, uh, so pro for, uh, <laughs> pro legal meth uh, yeah. would be Todd Berger being a better and more productive writer. <laughs> Con is that I almost jumped out a window. Yeah. Uh, Todd, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Uh, we'll have you have you back on when we think of the next uh, great. Yeah, when uh, the Clippers make the finals, let's do it again. <laughs> we'll fill everyone in on that. All right, catch you later, man. Bye. Bye.
Hey guys, if you're liking the podcast and want to help us out, just a quick reminder to go to iTunes, leave us a review, leave a comment, suggest some new people we should have on the show, topics you want us to discuss. And you can also do the same on Twitter. You can hit me up at, at Jeff Grace. And otherwise, I will talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.